0: I'm excited to share just based on, and Jody, can you turn it down a tiny bit? It is a little bit ringing, unless you, can, yeah. Um, awesome. Well, pastor's been teaching us on faith, and how many of you have just really enjoyed it? Like, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And when he asked me to, to share, I started praying about, like, what, what I was going to share on, and I'm like, man, what, what better topic than faith? And when I, when I asked God specifically what, what to share on, he said, seeing beyond or looking beyond. So faith is the evidence of things that we hope for. So what are we hoping for? What's, what, is, what is that end goal? What's beyond that whatever is in front of us? because there there is an end to our faith there's something that we're believing God for and so we have to we have to think about that you know pastors pastors taught a lot on hope like what are we hoping for if we have no hope how can we have faith you know we have to have hope we have to be hoping for something or looking to something to to actually ground our faith on so I just wanted to quickly go over a couple of things just as groundwork because not everybody has been here the whole time or if you have, it's just a a good constant reminder because faith comes by hearing God's word and getting light and revelation from God's word. So faith defined is what? A total reliance on God. So when we're in faith, we're relying completely on God, right? So that's kind of the foundation of faith. Faith is believing in the unseen, so when we have faith in God, we're, we're believing in something that we you know, may not be tangible, may not be physical. Like, when you can get to a point where God is more real to you than the chair that you're sitting on, the podium that's holding up my notebook, like, <clears throat> that's ultimately what our faith is. It's, it's stronger. Our faith in God has to be stronger than, than this natural realm. Because this natural realm is, is gonna burn up, it's gonna fade away. This natural realm is is you know it's it's fleeting, it's passing, but the things that are unseen are constant and forever. They'll they'll never change. That's what we base our faith on, on God. So Hebrews eleven is called the great faith chapter, right? So so anytime we want to learn about faith, kind of it's always good to to look back. On, okay. What other what other people of faith can we can we learn from in the Bible? So, uh, Hebrews eleven verse eight is where I'm going to start. Faith motivated Abraham to obey God. So, faith faith in action is what motivation. So. Uh, and I think this is the the passion translation, Evie, if you want to bring that up. We should have the passion translation back, back there. But uh, oh, Hebrews 11 eight says, faith motivated Abraham to obey God's call. So when when God called Abraham to step out in faith, to, to believe the promise, he called him to a place that he didn't know. He had no clue where he was going. He didn't... Like, this was, this was a whole new world for him. So he left on only a promise. And I put that in quotes because what better thing can we go out on than a promise from God? Because if we don't have a promise from God, like, what's the point of going? Because if we're doing it in our own works, it's going to fail. You know, it, it, the Bible says, unless the Lord builds a hell, house... They labor in vain who build it. So our faith, our total reliance on God has to be based on a promise of God. So Abraham was motivated to step out on a promise from God. Um, So talk about motivation. What motivates you? You know, is it Looking in the mirror and, and be like, oh no, I need to I need to take care of some some business here. Like COVID was not good to me, and I have to go hit the gym, uh, you know that sort of thing. Is it is it um, you know is it problems in your life or whatever? Pastor Mark has has a book out uh, called the New, a little like small pamphlet style book. It's called the New. And in there, he talks about three things, um, naturally, that motivate or cause change. So when we, when we look at our life, we can kind of gauge it. Okay, what, where are we at in this point of, of change? So it says, when we hurt bad enough, that we have to change. So that hurt can cause us to change. That hurt can motivate us to change. Like, I'm in so much pain, I need to do something different. So that hurt, hurt can motivate change. Rewards can motivate change. When the rewards are great enough that we want to change or we want to press towards that reward, like we're like, oh, no, there's, there's a good thing that's happening from, the, from this change that I'm going to make. That could motivate our change. And ultimately, like of, of the three, in my opinion, I think that's probably the best because when you look at the promises of God, that's the reward. Right? So, so the promise of God working towards a re- reward or that, that seeing beyond, that end goal, that's ultimately what I see as, as like an ultimate for change. And then lastly, the, the third was when we learn enough that we're able to change. So sometimes we can't change because we don't know, right? We, and, and if you don't know, then how can you act? So when we learn enough that we're able to change, we can we can begin to change. So again, this is all foundational stuff to get us to where we're going. And and you know when we see beyond the the natural things and what uh, where we're going, that that's what's going to motivate change, and that's that can be where we where we go. So let, let's go a little bit further in Hebrews 11 look at Sarah because I think. You know, Abraham and Sarah. Abraham's the father of faith. Sarah, his wife, also. It says, she, and uh, in, in, uh, this is Hebrews 11.11. 11, uh, and again, I don't know if I took this. It, it doesn't look like I copied directly out. So if I read it and it doesn't make sense to what we see there, it's probably, we can say it's the Jeremy translation. But she could rest in the promise of God. For she tapped into his faithfulness. So faith caused Sarah to tap into his faithfulness. So when you tap into something, there's a flow or there's, there's something that can produce an outcome, right? Uh, how many of you have ever seen um, uh, maple syrup being produced? You tap into a tree with a, with a sugar tap, and all of a sudden, in, in springtime, there's a flow that comes out of that tap. So you, you're tapping into something that, that produces a flow. Um, and immediately, when I talked about, like when I, when I wrote this down about tapping into something, I thought about two things electricity, well, three things electricity and water. So, with electricity, what's the right way to tap into electricity? you take a a plug and plug it in the outlet. That's the correct way. So we had a house in Michigan, and my uncle did us a favor by doing the housing inspection and kind of looked over, breezed over a few things that were pretty important. So in our basement, I found that somebody had tapped into electricity in a completely different and against code way. So they they literally stripped the the wire, the Romex wire, right in the middle, wrapped, wrapped around another wire, and then just wrapped that with, with electrical tape. So if you're an electrician or anything like that, you know that's not the right way to tap into power. right so when, when we got into that, when, when I found out that was there, you, you could actually hit that other wire that was tapped in, and it was causing it to arc because that, that connection over time had just not, not been good, and so it was causing it to arc and spark. So looking a little bit further into this, we saw another tapping into that was not quite right. So if you're a plumber, you know this. With plumbing, with water, you can actually get a pressure tap that will tap into a water line. Most refrigerators have just a, like a small water line that go into the, in there and it's a pressure tap. So you, you twist it by hand and it pokes a hole in a water line and then it shoots water into that, that small feeder hose. That's great, that's to code. However, that is not to code when, you work, when you're working with gas lines. And I found that we had a pressure tap in a gas line that was within a foot of this electrical tap that when you tapped it, it would spark. So needless to say, we're, we're very thankful that our house did not, like, explode in any way. There wasn't any gas leaks. You know, nothing like that happened. Um, we were able to to fix it. Um, but it was just... Wh- all that to say, there's a right way and a wrong way to tap into something, and when we tap into the promise of God, that is, a, that is the right thing to do, and and you tap into the promise of God by, just like what Dave was talking about, you, you find a scripture in the Bible, you stand on that, and you hold fast to that, so, so you're not wavered, you're not going to be pushed around, like you're not going to You're not going to get knocked off from this promise of, my God shall supply every need according to his riches. When we have a firm foundation of his word, that's the correct way to tap into his faithfulness. So how does that relate to seeing beyond and looking at the outcome of our faith? So tapping into the promise of God if you go on reading in Hebrews 11 and I challenge you like like go through it somewhat on a regular basis because because it's it's awesome like I I saw things that I guess I hadn't read in a long time and it stood out to me. But it's in verse 13 it says these her- heroes all died still clinging to their faith not even receiving all that they had been all that had been promised them but they saw beyond the horizon the fulfillment of their promise, and gladly embraced it from afar. So it's talking about these heroes of faith that saw beyond their circumstance, saw beyond what they were going through, and they saw the fulfillment of that, that promise coming, and that's what, that's what really drove them. They saw beyond to that promise being fulfilled, and so they, they, they died, some of them, it says they died without having the physical manifestation of that promise, but they knew it, it was still coming. Abraham, when he died, the nation of Israel hadn't, hadn't formed yet, but he was called the father of many nations. He called himself, what, Abraham meant father or prince, and God promised him to be a father of many nations. Um, did he see it? No. He had, he had one son of promise, and yet, he was called the father of many nations. So all of these, all of these people, these heroes of faith that, that we look to, it said many of them died before they ever saw the promise in existence. But does that mean they, they just gave up on it and said, no, this is too hard, this is too complicated? No, they, they looked to God's faithfulness. Um, going on to, to verse 14, for clearly those who live this way are longing for the appearing of the heavenly city. And and if their hearts were still remembering what they left behind, they would have found an opportunity to go back. So when we don't have that end goal in mind, when we don't have that that promise that we're standing on, too often it's, it's, it's easy to just turn our backs on it. And I, many of you who have who've heard me talk before, you've heard me share our, our testimony. I'll just make it real brief. But when, when God started dealing with us to come out here, immediately my flesh went to looking on Zillow, looking at houses and be like, oh no, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. And, and I'm thankful for a, a godly wife who encouraged me, just close that. Let's, let's hear from God, hear what he has to say. And so we, we got in prayer and we got that promise. And once we got that promise, we wrote it down because we're like, okay, we're going to have to go back to this. I know we're going to have to go back to this. And we have had to go back to, this, to, to that promise. So we wrote it down so that in, in hard times, in troubling times, we could, we could go back to that promise. <clears throat> but they couldn't turn back from, from, for their hearts were fixed on what was far greater that is the heaven heavenly realm so when we get our, our vision when we get our focus on what's beyond our circumstances what's beyond us even because how many how many of us we are our own limitation at times like things that we've uh, told ourselves things that we we you know speak out physical limitations natural limitations Sometimes we have to see beyond ourselves and, and actually look to God and say, okay, who's doing this, me or him? And I think I'm going to get to, hopefully, get, get to a little bit more on that. But let's look at faith applied. Like, how do we apply our faith? Or how, how do we, how do we uh, enter into that? Or, or rather, just like, what does faith look like? Faith is a rest. So first and foremost, faith is a rest. Because when we're totally relying on God, it's not what we're doing anyways. So we just, we look to him and we're like, okay, God, you got it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust in you. So Hebrews 4.10, um, and I apologize, Evie, I didn't write these translations down. I just have the verse references. So um, it's either NLT or CSB, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, as we enter into god 's faith rest life, we cease from our own works, just as God celebrates his finished work and rests in them. so it said that God created uh, God created the world in in six days and on the seventh he rested. so God rested in the work that he had done, or rather he 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 rested in in what was good. And so when we are are going through life and if we're looking to God, that is the goodness. And we can rest in him. So faith is a rest. Secondly, faith is peace. Isaiah 26.3 Isaiah 26.3 says, or at least I wrote here, You'll keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. <clears throat> so, again, going back to when when we are our own limitation, when we're our own uh, uh, blockade, typically that's in our mind and what we're what we are thinking and meditating on. But here's a promise that we can stand on. He will keep me in. Uh, keep the mind that is dependent on him in perfect peace. So we can kind of personalize it and say, hey, when we're trusting in God, he's gonna keep us in peace. We don't have to have that, that mind that's, that's always confused or always working or trying to figure it out. We can just rely on him. And then my, I, I love this comment because it, it kind of puts it in perspective. Every time I hear it, I kind of get convicted. But it's come to that. It's time to pray. Like, how many, of, how many of you have gotten to that point where you're like, I don't know what to do. Maybe we should pray. Well, maybe we should reverse that and kind of think, well, maybe we should live that lifestyle of prayer and looking to God in, in everything so that we don't have to come to, that, come to that point where, hey, we have to pray. Maybe we, we live in a lifestyle of prayer and communion with God, talking to God, where we hear his voice, we know his voice, and you, you trust that, that his voice is always there leading and guiding. And we can practice this in every little situation. We can practice it, you know, big things, small things, but when you when you train yourself to, to hear God's voice and rely on God's voice in the small things, then you know and you can be confident that you're gonna hear him in big things. Pastor Tim always talks about uh, in in finances, like like you know, look to look to God in sowing, like like that extra sowing, like does it hurt most people to give away five dollars? Typically not. So in in that aspect, you can you can train yourself to hear from God in in giving by like, okay, God, who do you want me to bless with this five dollars today? and looking to him to, uh, uh, for a leading of like, okay, who can I bless with $5 today? And then once you get to a point where you're hearing that on a regular basis, maybe up it. I know he he ministered to somebody that that was told to like give this large sum of money away, and she, and she didn't feel right in her heart about it, but she felt convicted. And so he, he said, well, well what's, a, what's a big or large amount, or what's an amount that you could give away? And so she did that with $20 and kind of trained herself with that so I just thought that was awesome because you can practice uh, relying on God, practice hearing him in, in an area like that and then lastly uh, with this part is we, we can ask right? so the Bible says if we lack anything we can ask him for it and that's really where the Ephesians prayers come into play because when we're when we're focused on um, on Him and His Word, we can we can ask Him to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So one of the, so we we typically talk about the Ephesians prayers, but there's also a prayer in Philippians and Colossians, and I have this uh, the Colossians prayer written down because uh, you know things things. Can minister to different people in different ways, right? So, the Colossians prayer has always stuck out a little bit more for me in this. And so, sometimes, sometimes I go through seasons where I'll, I'll uh, pray them, pray them all at different times. But like I have, I have them all written out in my journal where I can go, go to them quickly and, and pray these these prayers. But Colossians one nine through fourteen says, for this this reason also, since the day we first heard of it have not stopped praying for you. We're asking that we may be filled with the knowledge of, of his will in all wisdom and, and spiritual understanding so that we may walk worthy of, of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And you can go on and, and pray that, but it says very specifically asking that God give us wisdom and spiritual, spiritual understanding. Um. So so due to time, let's, uh, let's jump ahead to like how do we start, how do we get into this? What is, what is looking beyond our circumstances or looking to the end look like? So very, very practical, the simple things. How many of you get in your car and drive, right? Yeah, most of us, pretty much all of us use a car at some point. When you get in your car, you say, I'm going to the grocery store. You're not just aimlessly getting in your car and driving, unless you enjoy just aimlessly driving, but, but typically you have an end goal in mind. I'm going to the grocery store, I'm going to work. So you have that end focus and goal. It's simple, it's, it's literally as simple as that. When you get in the car, you have that end in mind. Okay, what about this? What about planting a garden? Just like, just like Dave was talking about this morning, farming, farming money. When you, when you sow a seed, you expect a harvest, right? So when you plant a garden, you're planting those seeds, but you expect a harvest to come from that seed. That's expecting, that, that's looking beyond. So in, in essence, simplified, that can, be, that can be faith put into practice. So, Going a little bit deeper, what are some dreams or things that God has placed in your heart that maybe have gotten buried or, or pushed to the side because of circumstances or, or things like that? Like God has put callings on our, on our lives, gifts, talents, abilities that he, he wants used for his kingdom. So dreams and, and sometimes even visions where, where God is, has put something in your, in your mind or dropped it in your spirit, and he said, I want to use this in you. And sometimes that can be for, for years down the road. Sometimes it can be for next week. You, you don't know unless you seek him about it. But but practically speaking, like God had, God had put a, a, a dream in my heart when I was a kid to, to do missions work, to be in ministry. And actually, I, you know, it's a long story, but I would stay up, stay up at night and talk to him about it and, and challenge him. And so when it got to, to the point where I was graduating from, from high school, he said, you're gonna go to Bible school. And so I'm like, all right, let's go to Bible school. And so I prepped, I was, I was ready to go, and then I started asking more questions. He said, no, not, not right now. Like, but I just graduated from high school. You go to school after that, right? Like, like it's a logical pattern. But no, I, he wanted me to seek him and find his will. His will is for me to meet my wife. His will was for me to have extra training. And then ultimately, because of, of relationships and everything, I, I actually went to, to a different Bible school than what I was planning on. So... Yeah, he, he ultimately did want me to go to Bible school, but it was, what, seven, eight, almost eight years after what I thought he actually wanted me to go. So sometimes we get our, our, our vision, in, you know, too close, or we, we try and rush, rush the things that, that God has placed in us. And so through that process of time, that actually got buried. It got put on the shelf because I'm like, okay, God wanted me to go to Bible school, now... He doesn't. He told me to wait. And then we kind of forgot about it. And so we were part of a, a small group, a, a marriage group, and God stirred us in that, in that marriage group to, to kind of go through and think about, okay, what, what dreams has, has God placed in our hearts that we've forgotten about? What things has he planted in there that haven't come to fruition or haven't, haven't been brought into harvest yet? And that happened to be one of them. So, the, so that was really uh, a, a time that God used to, to prep us and get us okay with the, the thought of going to Bible school with two kids and having to move across the country. And it was, it was a whole lot of fun. So, um, but same thing, gifts, talents, abilities. What has God placed in you that either you put on the shelf or... You know, timing wasn't right, or, or whatever. God's God's saying, you know, look beyond right now. Look beyond this circumstance. What What is this for? Because everything is for a purpose. Um, when When I started volunteering at my church, man, it was just, I think just over thirteen years ago. I I, I felt. Well, I, I started seeing, seeing this camera guy rove around more at church. Typically, it was just like one, you know, camera guys were static and everything, and then this one camera guy showed up, and he's like moving around up and down the aisles and everything like that, and I'm like, huh, I never noticed that before. That, that looks kind of fun. Maybe I, maybe I should think about volunteering because it, it looked fun. It, it looked exciting to me. Well, it turns out that roving camera guy was Pastor Tim, when he started working working at our church, and so I started volunteering and serving in the church. Who could have known at that point that God would lead me to this point today, just by volunteering in a in a video department at a church? So through a whole string of events that we don't have time for, I got to I got to meet one of one of my best friends in the world. Uh, I Got called into the ministry at that more at that point, and now I'm working in the field that I started volunteering in years and years ago at my church, just because I thought, huh, this, this looks like something that would be awesome to do, and God had so much more in store for it for me in that. So, the last thing I wanted to wanted to go over, and we're just we're just about to wrap up, but is. Our foundation so again I talked about what is our foundation our foundation is the word of God but specifically in faith is our covenant relationship with God so as we went through a lot of the heroes of faith as we go through and and look at some of these people our our faith always has to be on a, a, a promise and so the, the last thing I want to kind of go over as we, as we close is the covenant side of, of the relationship that we have with God. So God made a covenant with himself, the Bible says, because if he made a covenant with anybody else, if, if man were part of that covenant, man would have failed in, that, in keeping their side of it. So God, because he knew that man would break covenant, he, he made a covenant with himself. And I wanted to look at three specific people about the covenant. It's, it's Abraham, again, looking back at Abraham, and then Joshua, and then uh, David, when, before he became king. So Abraham, when God made a, a promise, he actually challenged God's promise. Because God said, I'm, I'm gonna make you a father of many nations. And he said, how can I be a father? Or, no, actually, God said, I want to bless you. And Abraham said, what's the point of blessing me when I don't have a son to inherit my blessing? So he, he actually challenged God. He said, what's the point of blessing me if I, if I don't even have a son to carry on that blessing? And then, and then God said, I will give you a son. And then Abraham challenged him again and said, how can I know this is true? And that's when God cut covenant with him. And so even in that covenant process, when, when God made a covenant with Abraham, Abraham tried to get involved, shoo the birds off the sacrifice and everything, and God's like, no, this is my covenant. I'm doing this, and he caused Abraham to fall into a deep sleep, okay? So that's, that's one side, looking at that covenant. Now, look at Joshua. When God told Joshua to take the, take the Israelites into the promised land, he said, First and foremost, take the Ark of the Covenant, go out in front of the people. So the people of Israel entered into their promised land, entered into that end goal by following the promise. How awesome is that? I had never seen that before that, that I remember, but, but the, the people of Israel entered into the promised land by following the covenant that God made with them. But here's another thing. You know, and this this happened later, but God actually warned about it here. He said, "As the covenant, as the ark of the covenants going out before, stay back." And I thought that was so weird. But but God actually said, "Stay back about a half mile from the ark," because what is man's natural tendency to get involved? And and we see that when David brought the ark of the covenant back back into Jerusalem, somebody reached out to steady it, and he dropped dead, because it's not man's works; it's nothing that we can do it's the covenant, it's, it's, it's all on God's side, what he can do, what he has done. And so God actually foresaw what was gonna happen and told, told Joshua that. He said, put the Ark of the Covenant out in front, but make sure you keep the people back because it's not anything that they can do, it's all what I have done. I just thought that was so awesome. And then uh, lastly, King David. So King David, when he... Uh, when he went out to, to the battlefront, he saw this, he, he called it what it was, this uncircumcised Philistine. What is that talking about? He's talking about the covenant. He said, how is this person that doesn't have a covenant with God standing in front of the people of Israel mocking their God? And he, he actually went up against Goliath based on the covenant. Saul tried to get involved with man's way put full armor on, on him and everything and and David said no that's not that's not me that's not who I who I am that's not going to protect me it's only God and so he went out against Goliath based on that covenant relationship and ultimately won the war and and it was I don't know it just it was it was such a blessing to me as I studied this out but as we go forward and look, you know, our firm foundation is always looking to God. So if you don't have that relationship, if you don't have that covenant relationship with God, you can have that today. And that's, that's what we're here for, is, is God has placed us in the earth to, to share his goodness, to share his faithfulness, and to, and to be able to enter into that covenant relationship so we don't have to do it in our own way because we can't do it in our own way. We're going to mess it up. When man gets involved, it, it always gets messed up. But when we do it God's way and we, when we follow him, that's where the blessing comes. And that's ultimately, like, like I said, it's seeing beyond the natural, it's seeing beyond the circumstances, it's seeing his promise come to fruition in our life. So if that's you today and you want to make a, a decision to follow Jesus, if you want to enter into that covenant relationship with him, I'm just going to ask you, first of all, if everybody could close their eyes, bow your heads. But if that's you today and you want to enter into that covenant relationship with, with, with God and make Jesus the Lord of your life, I ask you to slip up your hand. We're, we're all going to pray together. If you're watching online and and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, I just ask you, you know, pray this prayer with us together as as believers. Make this confession. Enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can can fill out the form or click raise your hand. But right now, together, let's just pray this prayer. Say, Say, oh, Lord, I come to you today asking you to take my life. I look to you as my help, as my source. I make Jesus the Lord of my life. Father, I give you my life today. Take it and use it for your kingdom and for your glory. I declare this by the blood of Jesus that I'm a new creation in Christ. That old old thing, that old life is gone. And I am brand new. In Jesus' name. Amen.